All right, and good morning to you. We are glad that you are here. Did we worship or what? Wow, God is like so good. I'm sitting there. You know, I get to do this twice, and you know, the first one I just sang. You know, but you know, I told David one time. Sometimes there's a time to sing, and sometimes there's a time to listen. And I just listened to you and read the words, and it was good. <laughs> so God is, God is just really good, and we are glad that you are here. Hey, we're doing a series entitled Graves in the Gardens based on the song, and um, we're celebrating the goodness of the only one who can. And today's sermon title is simply called Seasons, and it's based on the words in the song, You Turn Mourning Into Dancing. And we're going to use that to jump off into the idea that just like there are seasons in the world and, and the climate and all of that, there are also seasons in our life. So that's where we're going. Now, most of you know that I was raised um, in, the, in the south, in Florida. It was north Florida, but it was Florida. And back even there, um, we had like two seasons. We had like hot and not quite as hot. That's just, yeah, it's just kind of was, you know. We didn't know what fallen leaves and color and all that was. Uh, the only thing I knew, it got, it got cold enough to where that stinking oak tree in the front yard would, you know, lose its leaves. And there was a little hard kind, Brandon, you ever saw those? And, oh, my day, it would make me rake them. It was, not, it was just not a good thing. It just wasn't a good thing. But anyway, so we had two seasons. And then, and then we went to Germany from 1977 to 1980 via the Air Force. And we found out they had two seasons there too. Yeah, theirs was colder and colder. And then, and then, and if the sun just happened to shine, you better take a day off because it didn't happen. Now we love we love Germany, but but like my missionary friend Mickey Johnson said a long time ago, he he'd been in Germany for about fifteen years, and he said that the average temperature temperature on the fourth of July was forty six degrees. Yeah, you're getting the picture now, you know. And then and then we started going to Africa, and Africa, Uganda is just about on the equator. And so they have two seasons there also, and it is called wet season and dry season. So a chunk of my life has been only of two, two seasons. Well, in 1980, via God in the Air Force, we ended up in the Midwest, and for the first time, we started experiencing the four seasons. And when people ask me, what do I like about the Midwest, I tell them it's the four seasons. I love the fact that, that we have spring, and then we have summer, then we have fall, and then we have winter. It just makes life more interesting. And just like, and just like we have those seasons on the calendar, so it's wonderful, and it's cool, and it's growing, it, it's sanctification, it's all those things that we have seasons in our life. Now, I found a little cool verse in Genesis 8.22, and it's, it's again right around the flood time. And here's what God said. It's kind of like a, a promise. He said, as long as the earth endures, so as long as there is an earth, okay, um, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night will not cease. So God is saying in the physical realm, he's telling us that there will always be seasons. And I'm here to tell you today, just like there will always be seasons on the calendar, there will always be seasons in our life. And again, trust me, that is on purpose from God. He wants us to have the opportunity to experience the seasons of life because the seasons of life are all about teaching us, teaching us about God. 
teaching us about God. Well, I stumbled into a quote from a Bible teacher named uh, Mandy Hale, and it is just rich in his truth. And here's what it says. You know, it says, trust the weight. Trust the weight. You know, waiting is hard, isn't it? I mean, you know, if you're, you know I don't like waiting rooms. I don't like traffic jams. Um, I don't really like long sermons. Okay? But anyway, yeah, I don't like waiting. But, but she says, trust the weight. And I think that's her way of saying, you know, you know, believe in the purpose of God. Believe that God has a purpose. When a season of your life comes along, just believe that God has a purpose. And then she goes on and says, you know, embrace the uncertainty. Again, I am a certain person. I want to know. I want to know. Um, I take the same way to work. I want to know how long it takes to get work, uh, how long it takes to get to a certain location. I am a person of certainty. So it really was like, huh? When she said embrace the certainty. But, but what I think she was saying was, you know, believe that God is faithful. Even when we don't know. Maybe you're in a season in your life right now. That is just a little uncertain. Maybe, maybe you're, you're waiting to get married. Maybe you're waiting to be a parent. Maybe you're waiting um, you know, to retire. You know, whatever season in your life that you are, maybe you're waiting for a report from the doctor. Maybe you're waiting for your health to get better. Okay, Uncertainty sometimes be difficult. But, but I think she's saying, you know, you know, just believe that God is faithful. Just believe God is faithful. And then this is probably my favorite. Enjoy the beauty of becoming. You know, enjoy the beauty of becoming. You know, I call this, believe in the magic of the cocoon. Isn't that, what is it when you think really deep thoughts? What's that word starts with a P? Yeah, philosophical. If that's what it is, that's what it is. Okay, so, so that's what that is. But here's the deal. Here, here's the magic of the cocoon. Now, I know, I know that you call a lava a lava, but to me it looks like a worm. Okay, so, so, so this worm, lava, he, he goes and he starts spinning this cocoon. And he spins the cocoon and gets inside. And he's in this, this time of darkness. And he stays there until a certain amount of time. And then he comes out of the cocoon. And when he comes out of the darkness into the light, he's no longer a worm. He's a butterfly. Believe and the magic of cocoon. So, so when God, listen, 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 listen. When God brings difficult times, when you are struggling in life, when you're in that dark time, just remember, believe in the magic of cocoon because you may go in a worm, but you're going to come out a butterfly. Oh, come on. That's worth something. All right? Yeah, that's worth something. And then watch this. This is the one I told you. I could not wait to get to church. I had to tell Judy this one. Okay? When nothing is certain, anything is possible. I love that. I love that. Because again, I'm a certain kind of person. But when nothing is certain, it leaves the door wide open for anything to be possible. And I'm telling you, when it comes to God, okay, anything is possible. Now, don't throw God in the bunch about when nothing is certain. Because there's so many certain things that we know about God. But in life in general, you know, when nothing's certain... It just opens a doorway for God to do anything he wants. You know, he, he managed to, to birth the Son of God from, from a 16 or 15-year-old virgin girl. You know, he, he parts seas. You know, he, he does amazing things. So when nothing is certain, then anything can be possible. Now, you can't talk about seasons without going to Ecclesiastes in chapter 3. Okay? And here's what, again, you know it, but here's what it says. For everything, 
For everything, there is a season. Now again, think calendar, but think bigger than that. Because you know, in spring, things are born. Things grow. Things, things sprout. In summer, things grow. And in fall, harvest occurs. And then in winter, it's a time of rest. And that is true in our life. As we process through the seasons of life, there's a time when something new comes into our life. There's times in summer of our life when we're just growing, when God puts us in a season, and it's a time of growth for us. And yes, there are times when harvest comes along. And we harvest and reap uh, fruit that we may have sown um, through a season. And hopefully it's good fruit. And then sometimes there's a time for rest. Sometimes there's a time for rest. Um, more than one person, when I had COVID, and I had to sit still for 10 days, couldn't leave the house kind of thing, you know what? Judy and others said, you know, God's slowing you down, Dwayne. God's giving you this opportunity to rest. So, so there are opportunities. Now, in Ecclesiastes 3, 4, um, it says, you know, and, and you, you remember how it goes, don't you? There's a time for this and a time for that, a time for this and a time for that, time for this and a time for that. Well, verse 4 says this, you know, there's a time to cry and there's a time to laugh. I loved it. Nancy, Nancy uh, so well illustrated this. Nancy Evans back in the sound booth. She was talking about how, how meaningful the sermon was for her today because the mother of a really good friend um, passed away. And she said, here's what she said. We sat at the table and we laughed and we cried. We laughed and we cried. And because of God in the crazy seasons of life, sometimes we can do both at the same time. Isn't that Amazing, And then this is where it really comes in. A time to grieve or a time to mourn and a time to dance. God, you sometimes turn my mourning into dancing. So, so here's our teaching point. Here's our teaching point. Like creation, our lives are filled with seasons. So you need to write that down. Okay? Because again, some of you get so frustrated. You don't like change. You don't like change. Okay, you can see some of y'all don't like winter, and you know after fall comes winter, and you're already all messed up about it, okay? So, so just understand this. Life is going to have seasons. Our lives are filled with seasons. And like creation, each one has a purpose. Like creation, listen, God does nothing on accident, and when he changes seasons in your life, you take it to the bank, he has a plan. You take it to the bank. He is, listen, I love it. He is up to something. He is up to something. So when you see a change coming in our lives, okay, just understand God is up to something. Um, I, I snagged a quote from John Piper Thursday or Friday. It's not in your sermon um, event if you've got that open. Um, so let me read it to you slow about three times because I thought it was so good. And then we're going to tweak it just a little bit with deference to John Piper, okay? So here's what he said. And this is worth writing down. Um, this is God's universal purpose. This is God's universal purpose for all Christian suffering. Now, that ought to perk your ears right there. Because some of you right now are in a season of suffering. Either, again, you've lost a loved one, your health is bad, your marriage is not well, life in general is not good. So here is God's universal purpose for all Christian suffering. More contentment in God and less satisfaction in the world. That's it. Isn't that rich? I mean, that is rich. Here is God's universal purpose for all Christian suffering. More contentment. Okay? I'm in this season, and, and God's working, and he's working to bring more contentment 
in Him. You know, you know what does the song say? He's the only one. He's the only one. There's nothing better than God. So He's trying, when He brings into these seasons in your life, sometimes it's a woohoo season, and sometimes it's a mourning season. But it's teaching us to be content with God. And in the process, less satisfied with the world. Now let's tweak that, because I still think it's true. Let's tweak it just a little bit, okay, to bring it home to us. For some of you go, suffering, my life isn't suffering, my life is great, okay? All right, well, let's just say it this way, with deference to John Piper. Um, This is God's universal purpose for all Christians. What does leave suffering out? Why, Why has God left you here on the earth? Why didn't he save you and say, let's go to heaven? Because he wants to teach you more contentment in God and less satisfaction in the world. So God's purpose for you is to make you fall more in love with him once you trust Christ, more in love with him and less in love with the world. That's what it's all about. That's why God sends seasons into our life. He wants us to be more in love with Him and less in love with the world. Well, the teaching point continues. Um, Like creation, our lives are filled with seasons. and, And like creation, each one has a purpose. The journey, the journey includes, the journey includes learning to grow. Learning to grow. Now, another, and this is a, again, this is another uh, Bible teacher. Her name is Margaret Feinberg. Again, these are rich. These are rich. Every season, so you should be writing down right now, every season of life provides an opportunity to learn something more about God. Now, again, I don't know what you see your purpose as. Am I here to get richer? Am I here to gain more power, more prosperity, amass more toys? If you're not a Christian, that makes total sense. But if you are a Jesus follower, okay, the seasons come into our life for the purpose to learn something more about God. Now, here is something you know is true. We don't always get to choose our season of life. Because how many of y'all, how many of y'all just hate winter? How many just hate winter? Yeah, I know. Yeah, and probably there would be more hands up. Okay. Now, here's the way I see winter. Get to Christmas. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. I'm all on fire for that. That's great. Once we get past Christmas, bring on 75 degrees. I don't hate winter. Okay, don't hate winter. But once we get past Christmas, I'm ready for warmer temperatures. Okay, so we don't get to choose the season of our life. We would, a lot of us would choose spring all the time. We would choose fall all the time. We choose summer all the time. But we don't, in life, we don't always get to choose our season of life. But, this is so good. We can choose, as believers, as Christ followers, we can choose to call out to God. Yes. And worship Him in the midst. And that's what we need to take home today. Seasons come and seasons go. But during that season, we don't get to choose, okay? But in that time, we can choose to call out to God and worship Him in the midst. You know, I'm a product of the 60s and 70s. Mostly, I guess, the 70s. Um, but James Taylor, one of my favorite singers, you know, no relation to me, obviously, okay, had a song entitled, You've Got a Friend. And in that song, it says this, Winter, spring, summer, and fall, um, all you've got to do is call, and I'll be there. You've got a friend. That's God in the seasons of your life. 
Hey, whether it's winter, whether it's spring, whether it's summer, it's fall, you know, all you've got to do is call, and I'll be there. God allows the seasons of our life, and then he stays with us through the particular season that we are in. Well, our teaching today is going to come from another familiar scripture, and I really, I ask God to really bring this up into our lives, because I really believe this is something that I already spoke in my heart, but I pray it will speak to your heart, because we, we struggle sometimes with seasons. We, we find them difficult, and so I hope this will be a time of learning. It's the story of Lazarus. Um, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha were all really good friends with Jesus, and, and Jesus was away, and, and he gets word that Lazarus um, was sick. And by the way, you really, really need to know that when he got the word, you know, the Bible says he stayed there two more days and, and Lazarus died. Lazarus died the day the messenger left. You know, we always talk about Jesus being too late. Or too, if you read the scriptures, if you do the math, you'll find out the day the messenger left, Lazarus died. Okay? But anyway, here come, you know, Jesus, okay, it's time to go. And, and they go. And they get there. And the first person Jesus bumps into um, is Martha. Now, Martha is um, analytical. Martha is like emotional plane. She doesn't get excited about anything, okay? And so when, when Jesus bumps into Martha, she asks this question. Lord, if you'd been here, I actually make a statement. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died, okay? And he, Jesus goes into this really great theological discussion with Martha. Why? Because that's who she was. And, and in the process of talking, he tells her, Hey, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he died, yet shall he live. And then he asked that really important question, Do you believe this? And she said, Yes. In fact, I believe you are the Son of God. But, but Jesus met her on her level. Now, did you just write that down? Because you need to know something. I know something about God, and you know something about God. Is that God will meet you on your level. God will meet you on your level. Okay, so, so they go, Martha leaves, and goes finds Mary. Hey, the master wants to see you. The master's here, he wants to see you. So Mary gets up and goes to where Jesus is sitting, okay? So that's the setup, and what I call the season of mourning. And I promise you, by the way, by the way, by the way, I promise you that Martha mourned differently than Mary is mourning. And that's true with you, too. When we go through seasons of suffering, through seasons of difficulty, we all mourn differently, whatever the loss is, whatever the loss is. Well, so Mary shows up, and this is John chapter 11 and verse number 32, you know, again, and, and when Mary, Mary arrived, she saw Jesus. Now, now this is, again, it's really cool because the Bible says Jesus saw Mary and Mary saw Jesus, okay? There was a lock on of eyes, okay? So she gets there and she saw Jesus. I'm sure, we're going to talk about it in just a moment, but I'm sure there's some disappointment going on. I mean, there's frustration, there's confusion going on. Again, Mary's a very emotional person, okay? And so she gets there, but look what she does. She fell down at his feet. Despite uh, being probably a little confused about the way things played out, maybe disappointed in the way things turned out, she still fell at his feet. You know, it's amazing. You know, Mary is a worshiper. Well, we're all worshipers. You know, Martha worshipped through service. That was, her, that was her key way of worshiping. She served. And we see that several times when Martha is mentioned. But Mary, we see that we always find Mary at the feet of Jesus. She's just, she's a worshiper. It's what she does. 
Okay? You remember last week we talked about Elizabeth Barrett Browning? Elizabeth Barrett Browning. We talked about the burning. You know, heaven is crowned. Or the earth is crowned with heaven and every bush of fire uh, ablaze with the, with the fire of God. And then, and it's, you know, it's alluding to the, the Moses story where he saw the bush and turned aside. And, and she wrote and said this, you know, only those who see take off their shoes. Remember that? Only those who see take off their shoes. Mary was the one who would see the bush. She would see and take off her shoes. When, when Martha needed her help in the kitchen, she was at the feet of Jesus. And the part we're not going to get to today in chapter 12, you need to go home and read that and follow up on the story. Um, but, but again, Mary, you know, Martha's serving, Lazarus is breathing, and, and Mary's worshiping. That's what Mary does. Okay? So, so she, she sees Jesus, and she falls down at his feet. And, but she says, you know, Lord, if only... Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. That, that if only, and we're left to wonder. We are left to, you're left to wonder. In fact, you're left to work out in your life. In your life. Now, it could be a statement of faith. She's saying, you know, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would have, would have not died. I mean, it's a statement of faith. Hey, boy, if you'd have been here, I've got 100 confidence that you you know, we would have kept my brother from dying. It's a statement of faith. But honestly, it could be a statement of disappointment. She could be saying just what it says. If you'd have been here, I wouldn't be where I am right now. And there's nothing wrong with either one. Write this down. God's got broad shoulders. You need to be honest with God. You need to quit putting on the plastic mask when you pray. And you need to be honest with God. You need to put... Put it on the, the plastic mask during your worship and just be honest with God. There are times you're going to show up at church and you can't sing because your heart is breaking. You just need to be worshiping honestly, honestly with God. That's what, that's what we need to be. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. She didn't know the end of the story because, you see, God had a plan. Her plan was for Jesus to show up, heal Lazarus, and clap hands. God's plan was for Lazarus to die, and not a healing, but a resurrection. And there wasn't going to be a hand clapping. There was going to be a party. If you don't believe it, read John chapter 12. There's a party to be had. And here's the deal. Just like the nation of Israel, they got backed up to the Red Sea. There they are. Here comes the Egyptians. Oh, no. And all they can think is defeat. Okay? God didn't set them there for defeat. You remember what I said? He set them up for a miracle. Mary's in the same boat. All she saw, Jesus, if you've been here, my brother would not have died. And here's the deal. Hey, Mary, if he didn't die, there'd be no resurrection. See, the truth is, God has something bigger and... Come on now. God's got something... God's got something bigger and better for you than you can imagine. Oh, listen. Don't see just the brokenness. Don't, don't, don't put God in a box. Don't put God... You say, well, Dwayne, it, it happened 10 years ago. It has not changed. It may not be here. 
But man, when you get to heaven and you understand and you see the amazing things that God interacted in your life and you get the answer, the understanding in heaven, you get to celebrate for all eternity. All eternity. All eternity. So don't don't be pulled down by this. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not die at all. But Mary, I've got something bigger and better. Now, now we enter into in this time now where, where Jesus sees her, okay? And, and what is he going to say to her? You and I discovered? He didn't say anything. I mean, he does say later on, where have you laid him? But it clearly says, they answered. So he spoke to the crowd. Jesus didn't say anything because sometimes there's more power than words. By the way, we, if we could learn this, if we could learn this, we could learn this. Sometimes there's better power in a hug and some love than there are words. Well, let's look and see what he says. In verse number 33, John eleven thirty-three, 33, when, when Jesus saw her weeping. Now, now get this. He saw her. He saw her. And he responds in kind to her. Okay? You need to know something. Look at me. God sees you when you're weeping. God's, don't you think God's too busy running the universe? He ain't got time for you. We serve this magnificent, all-powerful God, omnipresent God, and you can't overload Him. We serve a God who cannot be overloaded. And just like Jesus saw her weeping, God sees you weeping. You know, Dallas home, uh, Donnie Billman used to sing a song entitled um, Jesus Knows Your Hurt. It's from 1979, and Dallas home sang it. It said, Jesus knows your hurt. Um, Jesus knows your pain. Jesus knows just how you feel because he's felt just the same. Jesus knows your need better than you do. Just hold on to Jesus because he's holding on to you. So, so she sees, he sees her weeping. And watch. And then he sees, he doesn't stop looking, he sees the other people wailing with her. Now, honestly, in this culture, some of those were probably like professional mourners, okay? But some were sincere. So you've got Mary weeping, and then you've got this larger group, some of them sincerely weeping with her, and some are just there for the, the wailing party. But look at what it says. Deep Anger welled up within him with an H, Jesus. Deep anger welled up. Now, that is not what you would expect, okay? The Greek word for the word anger there is indignation. There's deep indignation. There's deep irritation, if you will, in Jesus. So you've got to be asking the question, what's he fired up about? Oh, I know he'd say, uh, he's mad at Mary. Get over it, Mary. Come on. Put on your big girl pants. You would be so wrong. So you don't have a... You don't have a God who says, get over it. You don't have a get over it God. You got a weeping God. You got a loving God. You got a caring God. No, no, that anger is not directed at Mary. And nor is it even named at the other women wailing with her. Even though some of them may have been there on, if you will, a false wailing pretext. No, no. No, it's indignation. And the indignation is at the brokenness that sin has caused. 
He's fired up because of sin. He's fired up at the cause of, of death in the world. He's fired up at the devil. He's fired up. He's angry because of what, what sin has done to God's creation. Now listen. Nothing wrong with being angry. In Ephesians chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul said, Be angry and sin not. But see, Jesus, we, we don't get angry well. We just don't do it good. You know? We just don't do it good. But here's the deal. Jesus, now you need to write this down. Jesus, this deep anger, when, when Jesus expressed anger, he was laser focused. His anger was laser focused. When he was angry, he was laser focused at the right target. See, we, we want to get angry with people, and people isn't the problem. Sin is the problem. A person may have caused a sin, and you want to direct anger to a sin, but the problem is sin. The problem is Satan. The problem is the devil. The problem's brokenness. We've got to understand that. Listen, quit getting mad at your brother in church. Quit getting mad at the person on the other political party. Give it up. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. Direct your anger in the right way. Direct your anger in the right way. Jesus did. Jesus did. A deep anger welled up within him. But watch. He was deeply troubled. See, God gets troubled over you. In a good way. He was troubled because Mary was weeping. He was troubled because of the brokenness. I love this. It simply says in verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus cried with Mary. Now look, I'm not stretching Scripture. But God weeps with us. His, he is broken when we are broken. He is broken when we are broken. That should stir your heart. That you have a God who loves you that much. Over in Zephaniah chapter 3, we learn how, Jesus, or how God sings over us. But not only that, He weeps with us. Well, we now move into our season of mystery. And it's and starting in verse number 38. Well, the Bible says Jesus was still angry. He, he didn't get over it. You know, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. Laser focused, right target. Brokenness, sin, and Satan. So they got to the tomb. It was a cave. And this is just a little detail. You know, that was a normal kind of gravesite. It wasn't a big, huge mausoleum. Okay? A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. And... He said, roll the stone aside. So, so he gets there and says, roll the stone away. Mystery. Because how long has he been dead? Four days. You know, this is where, this is where Martha says, but Lord, he's stinking. He's stinking. And he did. The body was dead. There was no embalming back then. All they did was put spices around the body to control the odor. He would have stung. And it's a great mystery because Jesus says, he hadn't said, oh, by the way, I'm fixing to raise Lazarus up. He just says, move the stone. Move the stone. And then, and then in verse number 43, then Jesus shouted out, Lazarus, come out. The old Puritan used to say that, that he had to use the name Lazarus because if he had not, everybody in the cemetery would have got up. 
I don't know if that's true or not. Don't know if it's true or not. But it sure preaches good. Okay? Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Now, now watch this. His hands and feet were bound. There's like three things going on here. First off, he was dead. And now he's alive. Um, he, was, he was bound hand and foot. Okay, and and now he comes out of the grave. I don't know if God carried him. I don't know if he floated. I don't know if he hopped like the Easter Bunny. But Lazarus came out of the grave. And watch this. He was resurrected, but he was restored. His body had begun to rot. And as God raised him from the dead, he took care of the dead part. He took care of the hopping part. And he took care of the decay part. Amen. Does it all. He does. Listen, when God does something, he does it. He does it right. And then keep on going there. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes. His face was wrapped. And what did Jesus say? Unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him and let him go. Wow. See, just, just this is for fun. And we sang about it, I think, in the second song. I'm not sure, but I think it was the second song. This is a picture of what God does for us. This is what, if you're a Jesus follower, this is what God did for you. When you've got a friend who's lost, this is what God wants to do for them. You see it? Lazarus, come out. He gave an invitation. He invited Lazarus to come from death to life. And if you're a Christian here today, God gave you an invitation from death to life. But it was up to Lazarus to respond. And the dead man came out. So he gives an invitation, and if we respond to that, then we come out. And yes, his hands and feet were bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Then Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. This is so cool. Remember the Great Commission? In Matthew chapter 28, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you. The teaching part is the unwrapping, letting go. God, God calls them, God saves them, and it's up to us to teach them. Lee, listen, grave clothes belong in the grave. And we need to help Lazarus here Leave the grave clothes behind. Because guess what? He doesn't need them anymore. And when God brings us to spiritual life, there's a lot of things we don't need anymore. Didn't need anymore. All right, let's look at our teaching point. When Jesus calls us from death to life, he calls us from bondage to freedom. From bondage to freedom. Leave the grave clothes in the grave. See, the problem is a lot of Christians want to hang on to their grave clothes. Okay? And that's what sanctification is all about. You know, when we are saved, when God calls us to life, we accept his invitation, okay? Then he calls us to life. It's important we grow in Christ. It's sanctification. And part of the sanctification process is taking off what you were and putting on what you is. Got that? Leaving what you were and now dressing like what you are. It's Colossians chapter 3 tells you all about it. All about it. All right, so, so let's end up with Psalm 30 and verse number 11. Psalm 30 and verse number 11. And this is so clear what the whole uh, song was about this morning. Morning to dancing. Here's what Psalm 30, 11 says. You have turned my morning into joyful dancing. He's the only one who can. 
I don't know if you're broken today or not. I don't know where you are. But I want you to understand, God loves you a lot. And he wants to turn your mourning into dancing. And again, as Nancy said, they can sit at that table and laugh and cry at the same time. That's what God does. He's the only one who can. He goes on and says, remember the great clothes? You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. You know, it's just the truth. We're going to have seasons, and some of them are going to be really good. Some we're going to like, love, remember that? You know, we're going to like, and some we're going to love. But there will be difficult seasons also. And when they come, we need to trust Him. We need to embrace Him. I don't think I've ever quoted Socrates in a message before. I remember one time, it seems like when I was younger, and I think I called him Socrates. I'm not being funny. I did. You, you remember, uh, well, I never might have ever lived because I don't think I remember the word, uh, but it sounded like hypocrites. But anyway, I'm, I'm learning, Jude and Becca. I'm learning. I'm learning. Listen to this. This is pretty good. The secret of change is to focus all your energy not on fighting the old, but on building the new. The secret of change, positive change, in our lives is to focus all of your energy not on fighting the old. Not saying, God, I don't want this season. God, I don't like this season. God, why have you brought this season? God, this, God, that. God, rather on building the new. But rather trusting God and saying, God, I trust you with this. It's not a season I would choose. It's not a season I would choose. But God, I'm willing to trust you. Oh, oh. That you know best. That you know best. We didn't like 2020. You know, there's a quote I somehow skipped over. I don't know how I did. Uh, Nancy, can you throw that one up there about Zora Hertzson? There, thank you. Look at this. There are years that ask questions. 2020 and 2021, and I don't know when it's going to stop. There are years that ask questions. Don't we have questions? This has been a season of questions for us, okay? But we have to rest in the assurance that God's in control, that God is sovereign. There are years that ask questions and years that answer. You remember the old song? And we'll understand it better by and by. And we will. We will. It may, we may get answers here, but can I just say something? I don't know how, but I honestly believe God's fixing to do something really big. I don't see the Red Sea we're up against as defeat. I don't see see the tomb like Lazarus is in as the end. I think we're in for the greatest days of God's greatest movement in our country and perhaps in the world. And we've got to be ready. But to do that, do that, we've got to understand, yeah, we may have questions now, but there are going to be years that answer. We've got to be willing to pour our energy and our time, not resisting the old, but change from the new. We've got to be ready for whatever God calls us to be and do. Amen? Amen. I want you to bow your heads right there. I hope this was helpful for you. I hope this is helpful. I really pray, if you're in a season right now of difficulty, if you're in a season now of hardness, just trust God. If you're a Jesus follower, trust God. 
And if you've never trusted Jesus yet, or you don't even know what that means, my friend Brent's going to be standing down front. You know, I've, I've learned and know that the answer is not church and the answer is not religion. It is Jesus Christ. And when you invite him, just like we talked about, when we accept his invitation to come out of the grave, I mean, I'm telling you, he gives us new life. And he'll do the same for you today. And no matter what season you find yourself in, and I know some of your stories this morning, and you're in a difficult place right now. I know those stories. I'm here to tell you, he's with you. Winter, spring, summer, or fall. All you've got to do is call, and I'll be there. You've got a friend, and his name is Jesus. Brent will be standing down front. The altar is open for your prayers this morning. If we can do anything, pray with you, counsel with you, whatever we can do, that's what we want to do today. Father, thank you very much for the privilege of sharing today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. And yes, God, thank you for the seasons of life, even those ones uh, that are difficult, because we know and we believe that's an opportunity for us to grow more content in you and less content with the world. Have your way in our lives. And Jesus, I pray in your name.